Amen. Amen. While you're on your feet, will you give the Lord a big hand clap of praise? He's worthy of it all. He's the reason why we are here. So it's so good to see each and every one of you. Thank you so much for being here this morning. I want to welcome our online campus. I want to welcome the online family uh, with us today. It is so good to see each and every one of you. Uh, And I am so thankful to be here. It is a great honor for uh, myself and my wife, Stacy, to be here with with you this morning. Um, And, you know, I just want to say a couple of things uh, before I kind of introduce my family to you. My my boys aren't here today. My wife is. But um, can we just give it up for Miss Erica Peak for the message that she gave last Sunday. I went back and watched it a couple of times. Faith in the family. Man, what a, what a wonderful thing to have faith in our family to teach our children what it means to love and serve God, what it means to have faith in God and trust in Him. Um, but it is such an awesome honor to be here with you today. I want to thank pastors uh, Brandon and Megan Goff for letting me have this opportunity. Uh, they are great friends of ours, and we're so thankful for them. Um, and I am I'm grateful for your staff. Your staff has been so excellent to, to myself and my wife this morning. Uh, everything that they have done, and even over time as they have known me, I am so grateful for them. And I want to, I'll just give you a little secret. I am not a public speaker. So I get really nervous when it comes to just talking in front of people. I'm sorry, so if I, if I get a little nervous or if you hear the nerves in my voice, that's what it is. Um, but it is so good to have you, and I want to thank my church family. I love my church. I miss my church today. I love being here, and I'm so grateful uh, to be here, but I, I miss being at my church. I love my church family. I love who they are. Uh, but it is, is a wonderful, wonderful day to be in the house of the Lord. Um, you know, and when I think about everything that God has done, everything that he is doing in our lives, he is worthy of all glory, honor, and praise. And I hope you realize that. I hope everything that you have seen in your life that you know God is worthy. Uh, my wife is with me this morning. Uh, this is my wife, Miss Stacy Stone. She is wearing radiate yellow for you today. Um, beautiful, beautiful uh, woman of God. She is as beautiful in the inside as she is on the outside. And I'm so grateful to call her my wife. May 24th was our 26th anniversary. Come on, somebody. You know, That's a long time to put up with somebody like me, okay? Um, You know, but, uh, you know, through it all, through it all, and we have had our ups and downs, and if you have been married for any length of time in this place today, you know that uh, with marriage comes ups and downs, and we we have had our fair share, but God has caused us to stick through it. We have put him first in our life. We have tried to do everything we could. Even when we didn't see eye to eye, we trusted in the Lord and believed that he had his uh, favor upon us. Um, so I, a couple of other introductions I have for you. Uh, my oldest son, Hunter, his brand new wife just got married back in June. Uh, Hunter and Alyssa Stone, uh, this is our oldest son. Uh, and so, so glad to have Alyssa as a part of our family now. Uh, she is a wonderful and a beautiful girl and, and a Clemson graduate. Come on. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, you know. <laughs> Come on. But uh, so glad to, so uh, we were hoping actually they were going to be with us this morning. Uh, any dog lovers, any dog parents in the house? Yeah, they had their dogs with them and could not uh, stop to be with us today. They were actually visiting home. They still live up at Clemson. Uh, they were visiting home for my birthday. And uh, so they, they're passing, going back through the Clemson, and uh, they could not leave the dogs in the car. Come on, somebody. You know, so, um, <clears throat> and I, no, nobody told me y'all had dog church here, so I, I couldn't check them in at children's church. I, they wouldn't let me do that. Um, but anyway, um, and then uh, my next son, our middle son, is this is Avery Stone. 
Uh, yeah, he's, he's my athlete, um, and this is his senior year. Guys, I'm not going to lie for any parents of teenagers in the room. I have already cried a little bit this summer because this is it for him. You know, like, I mean, I love sports. I grew up playing sports in school, and I love sports, and this is his last year of football and baseball, and I have already cried a little bit. Um, you know, I can't imagine what graduation day is going to be like, um, but anyway, you know, it just is what it is. This is him. I chose this picture because this is how enthusiastic he is. He loves life. He loves sports. He loves God. He's our worshiper. He sits on the front row at church with us on Sunday mornings, raised hands, voices singing. Man, he loves God. He loves Loves church and uh, just loves to be about it. We have one other son that I'm going to introduce to you uh, a little bit later in our service today. Um, but how many of you know that life brings difficulty? Okay, life brings difficulty. How many of you know that as a Christian, we kind of have to put it in the back of our mind that just because we're saved does not mean that we're not going to have bad things happen to us. See, I think that is a mistake that many Christians have made over their life. They think the fact that whenever they get saved or whenever things happen for them, that, that you know what, everything's going to be great from here on out. And I do apologize that if you gave your heart and life to Jesus Christ last week, congratulations, by the way, welcome to the greatest family on earth. Amen. If you received salvation last week. You know, I don't want this to be a discouragement to you, but I do want you to know that real world problems still happen to Christians today, okay? And so whenever we look at the difficulty of life, we look at the things that, that we do not want to go through, we do not expect to go through, but they still happen to us anyway. It, we might not have prayed for it, we might have tried to pray it off, but it still seems to come at us, it still seems to attack us. And I'm really preaching to you this morning to encourage you that guess what? If you have faith in God and you hold on to your trust in God, God is going to see you through to the place that he has called you to be. And a perfect example of that is Joseph. How many of you have ever read the story of Joseph in the Bible? Okay, if you've ever read the, the Bible, if you've ever opened up the book of Genesis, you have read about a man by the name of Joseph. And whenever you began to read that story, it all starts with something special. It all starts with a dream. Joseph has a dream of his brothers bowing down to him. His, his brothers not worshiping him, but looking to him as their leader, looking to him as the person that will signify or will lead them to the next place in their life. But sometimes when it comes to the place of where we are, when it comes to the place of people looking at us, when it comes to the place of fulfilling the dream that God has placed on our life, Satan is going to do everything he can to attack us. Satan is going to do everything he can to bring us down. Because how many of you know Satan does not want God's plan to be fulfilled over you? Well, this is exactly what took place in Joseph. And to me, Joseph is this great example that we can look to of how to have faith in difficulties, how to look at the things that are happening to us and continue to trust in God. Because listen, you know, difficulty doesn't go away because we hope for it to go away. Difficulty does not go away because we got on our knees and we prayed and said, God, you know what? I need you to let this traffic light turn green because I need to get to work because I woke up 35 minutes late and I need to get there. Oh, Y'all must be better in Columbia than we are in Pamplico. Uh, um, you know, 
Right? You know, it it doesn't just happen that way because we are saved. And I'm going to tell you something. There is nothing greater than being a Christian. There is nothing greater than knowing that you are God's very own child. There is nothing greater than knowing that you have favor on your life because you are God's son or daughter. And I promise you, because you are his son and daughter, you have favor on your life. God is doing things for you that you cannot possibly know or imagine. God is opening up doors for you that you did not think would ever happen. But you have to trust and believe in him because it may not be happening the way you expected it to happen. So in the life of Joseph, whenever we look at him and we understand him and and we go and we say, you know what, Joseph has this dream, man, that's great. If you're reading that story for the very first time, man, I want you to know that you you are a Christian and God has put something great on the inside of you. God has put a plan on the inside of you. If you've ever read Jeremiah 29, 11, you know that God has already thought about you. God is already thinking of you and God has already planned out your great future. But as long as you have that great future, there's going to be an attack on your life. There's going to be something that comes against you. There's going to be something that is happening to you. And here's here's what happens to Joseph. Even though he was the favorite son of his father, he was the favorite son of his father, he, he signified that by giving him a coat of many colors. Now, I don't know exactly what that would have looked like. I don't know if he just dipped it in something and it just came out all of these different colors. But he signified to his brothers, whenever he looked at all of his sons, he signified to Joseph's brothers saying, this is my favorite son. This is the son in whom my blessing is upon And whenever the world looks at us, I want the world to know that we are the favorite sons and daughters of our Father who is in heaven. I want them to know that whenever we wear the banner that says that I am a Christian, there is a blessing that comes only from God. It does not come from the world or the things of the world or by the material possessions we have. It comes from the hand of God blessing our life. But whenever you look at that story, it says something very particular about Joseph's brothers. It says that they hated him. It says that whenever they looked at him, they had hatred in their heart and they began to devise a plan to destroy Joseph. They began to devise a plan and they looked at each other and they said, you know what? I cannot stand that he has daddy's favor on his life. I cannot stand that daddy looks at him and daddy smiles at him and daddy loves him and daddy cares about him. You know what? We're going to devise a plan and we're going to kill our brother Joseph. And so they come up with this plan and thank God... Thank God for his oldest brother who says, wait a minute, we, we can't do that. We, we, cannot, we cannot take Joseph's life. This will destroy our dad. How many of you know that God is placing people in your life that you may not realize that is pointing you in a direction that God is wanting you to go? See, you can't just dismiss every person from your life because they may mean harm towards you. They may may not have good intent for you, but God has placed them in their life to point you in a direction so he can get you to the place that he wants you to be. And so here's what happens. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 37. And whenever you look at the life of Joseph, one of the things that you will see is that from Genesis 37 on to the end of the the book of Genesis there is telling us about the story of Joseph. It is telling us his life's plan. And here's what it says in verse uh, 24. It says, then they grabbed him, talking about Joseph's brothers. They grabbed him and they threw him into a cistern. Now a cistern was empty. There was no water in it. 
So what he's trying to say here, there was a well that had been dug, and in, the, in that well was no water. As a Christian, you will face dry places in your life. As a Christian, you will go through places where you feel like God doesn't love you, God doesn't care about you, that you're looking at your situation feeling like, man, even the folks at the church don't love me. Even the folks at the church don't care about me. Because if they cared about me, they would call me. They would text me. They would check on me. They would see how things are going in my life. And sometimes we just hit those dry places. In Joseph's life, with this dream that he had in him, looking at this dry place, he's probably praying. He's probably asking God to send me some kind of sign that says you're going to get me out of this. Send me some kind of sign that's going to show me your favor in my life. Because God, I don't understand why I'm at the bottom of this well. I don't understand why I'm in this pit right now. And you may be in a place in your life where it looks dark. It looks hopeless. It looks like there is no way out. But God's got a plan. God's got a plan for you. God's got a plan to release you. God's got a plan to bring you into the dream that he has designed in your life. Now, how many of you know Joseph might have been praying, God, just let somebody drop a, drop a rope down here. Let my brothers all of a sudden love me. Let my brothers change their mind around me. Let my brothers figure it out that I'm not a bad person. Let my brothers figure it out. How many of you know the world's never going to figure out how good you are? The world's never going to figure out your goodness, no matter how good you are to the world. The world's never going to look at you and think, oh man, that's a great person. So here Joseph is, he's in the bottom of this pit, and then all of a sudden, his prayer seemingly is answered. Here comes this rope, and I'm sure he's excited. He's probably jumped up on his feet. He's trying to think to himself, all my brothers have changed their mind. God has put his hand on their mind. God has put his hand on their heart. And man, they are ready to love me and embrace me and accept me as my father's favorite. But how many of you know that was not the case? Joseph had a big surprise when he got to the top of that cistern. He had a big surprise when he got to the end of that rope. He's probably crawling up that rope. He's probably singing, oh, he set me free. He set me free. I can't sing very well, so. So he, there, he's probably thinking, oh, goodness, they, they really love me. They, they're not going to let this plan come about. They're going to they're bring me up out of this pit. They're going to hug me. They're going to kiss me, and they're going to accept me when that is not the case. When he got to the top of that rope. There were some slave traders there. There was this family that was slave trading. They were bringing people from the place of Israel and they were taking them to the place of Egypt and they were slave traders. And so here, I want to read you this verse. This comes from Genesis chapter 37, verse 36. It says, meanwhile, the Midianite traders arrived in Egypt where they sold Joseph to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Potiphar was a captain of the palace guard. So now he goes from this place, this pit, this dry place in his life, and now he's sold into slavery. It doesn't look like things are getting any better. You may have been going from one disaster to another, from one difficulty to another. It does not look like things are getting better. It does not look like God is on your side. This may be the place where you begin to pray, God, do you love me? God, do you care about me? 
God, you care what is going on in my life. Listen, please don't leave me up here all by myself because I have been in that place before. I have been in the place where I didn't know if I felt God anymore. I didn't know if God was talking to me. I didn't know if God was listening to me. I didn't know if God even cared about the things that were taking place in my life. Because that is a part of the Christian walk. I don't mean to discourage you, but whenever you have God, a loving God, a loving Father who cares about you, you need to know that you also have, a, have an enemy that is out to steal, kill, and destroy. He is out to do everything he can to steal your life away, to steal your joy away, to steal your happiness away. He will use every opportunity that he has, and now he comes to the place to where he wants to destroy you. But I talked a little bit about favor. See, even in this time, whenever Joseph went into this place, one of the things that he had, he wasn't praying for God necessarily to release him from slavery. He wasn't necessarily praying for God to release him from this pit. He was, he was looking to God and he was saying, you know what, God, if I'm going to serve you in this way, this is the way that I'm going to serve you. I'm going to serve you with my whole heart. I'm going to serve you in the place that I am and I'm going to give you everything that I've got. Because difficulty doesn't go, to way, go away because we ask God. It goes away because we maintain our pursuit of Him. Joseph had the opportunity to just throw up his hands and quit. He had the opportunity to say, you know what, I don't like this, and I don't know how this dream is going to come about in my life, but I know God must not love me, and I know God's favor must not be on my life. But no, he didn't do that. He still began to pursue God. He began to give God everything he has, and he went to his master, and he said, you know what, master, what can I do for you? Master, how can I help you? And the master looked at him. Potiphar looked at him. And he saw the goodness that was in him. He saw everything that he brought to the table. And he recognized that there was something different about Joseph. Does anybody recognize that there's something different about you? See, we're growing up in a church age today where everything is supposed to look like the world. And we hope people get saved from it. When that is not what God called us to, that is not what Jesus called us to, we are being attacked by the world. They are attacking the very thought of God. They are attacking everything about God, everything that they can to destroy the existence of God, even in the church. But if we maintain our character and we maintain our integrity, we show off the trueness of God's goodness. He found a place in his life and he said, you know what? I don't know why I'm here, but I'm going to serve God anyway. I don't know why I'm going through what I'm going through, but I'm going to serve God anyway. It is God who's put breath in my body. It is God who has given me life and I'm going to serve him anyway. Whenever Potiphar looked at him, he saw that there was still favor on his life. And the Bible even tells us that he found favor with Potiphar because he had favor with God. Don't look at your situation and just go, oh, I don't mean I'm going to be Anybody come to church pouting today? <laughs> just trying to get where you're at. My wife, as beautiful as she is, we still have arguments on Sunday. <laughs> and she's got to get up and play and sing, and I got to get up and preach. You know, it happens. Huh? Anybody parking? Anybody parking today? 
You got into the parking lot and you were fussing and you were screaming as soon as you got out of the car. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> no, 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 no. Y'all know. I know. I know. <laughs> See, we've got to be in the position in our life. I'm not saying that bad things don't happen to you. I'm not saying that difficulty is not hard because it is. It wouldn't be called difficult if it wasn't difficult. But I want you to know that there is something about believing in God. There is something about trusting in God. There is something about having hope in God. And that whenever you pursue him, and when I talk about pursue him, I'm not talking about coming to church on Sunday morning. I'm talking about seven days a week where you are getting into the word of God. You are praying and you are studying and you have your devotional and you're going to your groups the way you're supposed to. And you're calling and texting people and you're, you're saying, listen, man, this is what's going on in my life. But how can I pray for you? That is pursuing God. That is trusting God with everything that is in you. And he maintained that. But you heard what I said. Satan is out to steal, kill, and destroy. And whenever he looked at Joseph, he said, man, I couldn't steal his happiness. I got this dude in a pit. I got this dude into slavery. And I cannot steal his joy. I cannot steal his happiness. He's still pursuing God just as hard as he did before. He says, I know what I do. I'll attack, his, I'll attack his integrity. I'm not exactly sure, but I believe that Joseph must have been a very attractive young man. Very attractive young man. And when Potiphar's wife would see him, she noticed how attractive he was. She noticed the position that her husband Potiphar had given him. She noticed, now she wouldn't have thought of it like this, but she noticed there was something about him that was completely different. But if Satan is out to steal, kill, and destroy, she wanted him. She wanted to go after him with everything she had. And I'm sure it started out real innocent. You know, she just walked up to his desk at work and said, man, you look good today. Come on, somebody. Those bracelets look nice. Where'd you get those pants from? Hmm. You know? How many of you know that whenever we think about temptation, it is not God who is tempting us, but it is something that comes from within us that brings about temptation? And when we don't have the integ integrity and character of God in our life because we're not pursuing him, we will fall to those temptations every time. And then we'll get up and we'll be like, oh, no, I don't know why I sinned. I don't know why I did that. It's because you don't have the true in integrity and character of God in your life because you're not pursuing him. And so when difficult things come, when temptation comes, you begin to slide away. You begin to fall away. If any of you need to recognize that in your life, that's why God brought me here today. So she pursues him. She wants a relationship with him. But because he pursues God, he runs away from her pursuit. And of course, if you know the story, she grabs his coat. She grabs his coat and then she begins to call for the, guard, uh, the guards of the house. And, and she says, hey, he tried to touch me. He tried to do something to me. He tried to rape me. 
And then Potiphar comes home, and Potiphar hears the story, and he's indignant with Joseph. He cannot believe that Joseph broke his trust. And all of us know, all of us Christians know, he was being falsely accused for something he didn't do. But that didn't stop Potiphar. Potiphar didn't care about the truth. All he cared about was pleasing his wife. And all his wife cared about doing was destroying Joseph because, she, because he wouldn't fall into her attraction. And so what is happening to Joseph? Let's look at chapter 39, verse 20. So he took Joseph, threw him into a prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained. Joseph now was in prison. This does not look like the plan of God is coming about the way it should. I mean, I don't know about you, but I I would feel pretty bad if God had called me to preach and God had put this great calling on my life and he said, this is where you're going and I end up in prison for something I didn't do. And now I've got to sit there and I've got, I, I've got to sit there and I've got to go through the, the, the harm of prison. I've got to go through the sways of prison. I've got to go through all of that stuff in my life. And I'm sitting here thinking, I'm not even guilty. I might have done some bad stuff in my life, but I didn't do what they said I did. And I, I, I'm not guilty. I'm an innocent person. But not Joseph. Joseph knew his innocence and he maintained his innocence before God. He maintained his pursuit of God. And he went to the prison guard. He went to the prison master and he said, hey, sir, how can I serve you? I want you to know if you're a volunteer in this church, I want you to know, keep pursuing God. Yeah, you may not be elevated to the place where you think you're supposed to be right now, but you keep pursuing God. You might be in children's church. You might be in connections. You might be in security. No matter where it may be, you're valuable to God. And God sees you and he knows you and his favor is upon your life. You keep serving God with your whole heart. And if you don't volunteer in this church today, I encourage you to see the person who is over volunteers before you leave this service. Because that is the way that we pursue God. And I'll try to hurry up. But here's what happens. He's in prison. And remember, he's a dreamer. And these two guys get thrown into prison. One of these guys did something wrong and one of the guys didn't. They both had dreams. They come to Joseph. They find out that he's an interpreter of dreams. He interprets their dreams. They're released the next day. And it was the two guys that served the king. They were the highest level of position and service to the king. One was the baker and one was the butler. And it found out that the baker had done wrong. And so his life was taken, which meant that Joseph correctly interpreted their dreams. And here's where you may be in your life. You've gone through so much stuff. You've gone through so much stuff and you've tried to maintain your integrity. You've tried to maintain your your character. You've tried to maintain your pursuit of God. But now you feel forgotten. And you don't show up for church like you used to because you feel forgotten. You don't show up for group like you used to because you feel forgotten. You don't show up and serve like you used to because you feel forgotten. This is really the only place in the story of Joseph where it looks like he gave up. Because he felt forgotten. But I promise you God sees you. And I promise you God knows you. He has not forgotten about you. And then of course Pharaoh has a dream. I'll try to wrap this up real quick. Pharaoh has a dream. 
He calls for Joseph. He said, hey, I, I know a guy, whenever I was in prison, he interpreted my dream, and he was right. They get, they get him, and then he is exalted. Here's what it says in verse, chapter 41, verses 38 through 41. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man, so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent as, or as wise as you. You will be in charge of my court. And all of my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have rank higher than yours. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. I was asked here for a specific purpose today. To talk to you about faith in difficulty. I told you I have a third son that I would introduce to you in a little bit. My wife and I are, have been pastors now since 2005. We've pastored the church to where we currently are since 2011. And in 2014, we were trying to introduce groups to our church. Our church was an old traditional church, and we were kind of transforming some things. And, and we were used to Sunday school-based learning. We were trying to kind of transform things. We were kind of trying to get things in order to start groups. And many of you here, you're familiar with groups. If you're brand new today and you're a first-time guest or second-time guest, I know that somebody's going to talk to you about groups because they want you to be connected. And we were trying to establish this. We were trying to start this. And we had families from our church who were meeting at our home. And you could put up, uh, this is my youngest son, Jensen. Six years old. This picture was taken at a summer camp. We do summer camp in our denomination. We do summer camp um, three weeks out of the year during the summer. And, and he's six years old. Summer camp didn't start until you were seven years old. Um, I had the courtesy of being able to bring him out of summer camp. And he was on one of the slides like he got outside. You know. And, um, man, he loved. This is him. This, is, this was the life he lived. He loved life. He, he was our lover. He, was, he loved to kiss you. He loved to hug you. Everything, everything about that. Our other two boys that I showed you, they are not lovers. They run from kisses and hugs. But not Jensen. Not Jensen. He loved life. And you could put up the next picture. This is the very last picture we have of our son Jensen. He's six years old. He has that moss on his head because my cousin who took this picture, as they were gathering at our house, he said, Hannah, Hannah, look at me. I look just like you. She has long blonde hair. So she took that picture. This picture was taken about an hour before our entire life would change. We were doing church stuff. Had people at our house. We were starting groups and kids were outside. We had some young families there. Kids were outside playing. We had a, a young man in our church who had a motorcycle and he had come over that day and he was riding some of the kids around on the, on the motorcycle. And our son Jensen, he, um, he saw that. You know, he had already ridden around on the motorcycle one time. And we have dual uh, driveways at our home. Comes in one side, goes out the other side. And, and um, my son Jensen, he jumped on his bicycle. And he wanted to be like the man who was riding the motorcycle. And close to the end of our driveways, we have these two large trees. One's a pecan tree on this side of our home and an oak tree on this side of our home. And I told Jensen, 
I said, son, you can ride your bike all around the house. You can ride it through the front yard. You can ride it down the driveways, but never, never go past these two trees. Never go past these two trees. Well, this particular night, because the young man who was driving the motorcycle had taken him out on the highway, Jensen thought he could go out on the highway. There's an elderly man who's a neighbor of ours who, who was coming home from the nursing home. He had visited some folks. He's a great Christian man, loves the Lord. He was, he was coming home from a nursing home visit, and he never saw Jensen. Jensen was six years old. He rode his bike out into the road, and he was hit. About an hour after that last picture was taken. I was sitting in my home. I was sitting there in the den in front of my television. We were talking about, you know, what book we would start reading, different stuff. My oldest son, Hunter, he comes running to the back door. He says, Dad, you need to come. It's bad. We don't use the front door at my home, so I immediately ran out to the door he came out of. I ran out and I came around to behind my house, and I couldn't see anything. I was, I was running. He, he was kind of going towards the road, so I just started running towards the road. And at this time, I had two, two boats, and, and they were, they were kind of just sitting in the yard there, and I couldn't see. And as soon as I got past the boats, I saw my son laying on the ground. Guys, my whole world shook. I'm a preacher. I was doing church stuff in my home. I'm going to just be honest. This stuff's not supposed to happen to me. I get to my son, and I'm laying down beside him, and I'm saying, Jensen, please, just wake up, baby. Just wake up. Come on, Bubba. I know you hear me. Wake up. Ambulance comes. A friend of ours jumps in our car. Stacy and I get in the back seat. We head to McLeod Hospital in Florence. And um, we had church folks. We had about 75 people from our church who were there in the waiting room with us. I had other pastor friends. My father-in-law, who's a pastor. Just so many family people had just surrounded us. About 150 people waiting with us, praying, God, don't let this happen. Speaking the word of God, he will live and not die. Doctor came and got us, took us back to a room where Jensen was. He said, we're going to run him up at the surgery. We're going to do some exploratory surgery, see, see what we're dealing with. My wife and I just sitting there crying, looking at him as nurses doing everything that they can. Doctors doing everything they can. We come back to the waiting room. People are just greeting us and praying for us and doctor comes out he gets done with surgery they take him up to the ICU on the third floor at McLeod Hospital and he comes in and hears his words he says if he makes it until morning I'll be surprised and I can tell you for every parent in this room that is not the type of words you want to hear come from a doctor about 15 minutes later a nurse comes down he says we need to take y'all upstairs. We go into the intensive care unit. There's a nurse there who's doing everything he can, giving Jensen CPR. Just pumping his chest as hard as he can. 
he backs off and one nurse checks Jensen's neck another nurse checks his arm another nurse checks his legs I'm just standing there in disbelief God this can't be real this can't be real you're not doing this right now I believe in you I preach about you I trust in you what are you doing they back away from my son as a doctor walks up to him and he says time of death 11 18 p.m. four hours after that picture was taken my son was gone so I'm not preaching to you because I know the story of Joseph and it sounds good this September will be nine years that Jensen has lived in heaven and I would not be standing before you today if it were not because of my faith in God there was a time when I blamed God there was a time when I was so angry with God I didn't want to serve God I didn't want to preach I sat at my dinner table one Sunday morning before I was supposed to go to church and I wanted to give up on life I didn't want to live anymore because I didn't think there was anything worth living over and in my mind all I could see was a picture of my wife and my two boys Hunter and Avery and the Spirit of God speaking to me saying there is something to live for he did not die in vain you may be going through the hardest thing you have ever gone through in your life you may be in the most difficult place that you have ever experienced and I'm here to tell you God will lift you my wife and I would not be here this morning if it were not for our relationship with God I watched her she watched me we watched each other pray we watched each other study the word. We watched each other pursue God even in the middle of our hurt, even in the middle of our pain, the pain that we thought would take our life. And God restored to us the joy of our salvation. When Paul says we do not grieve as those who have no hope, those are the truest words you will ever hear in your life. We do not grieve as those who have no hope because I know where my boy is. And I know one day God's going to reunite me with him. And I will see him and he will be holding the hand of my Savior. If you're here in this place today, every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here in this place today, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. That needs to change. That needs to change before you leave here today. I don't know what you may be faced with. When I left church that Sunday morning, my life was as normal as could be. But before midnight, life changed. I know I'll see my son again. 
But what about you? What about you? Jesus said, even though the thief comes not to steal, kill, and destroy, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's watching you. But today is the day of salvation. If you're watching online this morning, today is the day of salvation. I'm going to ask you real quick. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want you to throw your hand high in the air. Say, Pastor Shep, I want to be a Christian. I want to serve God with everything that is in me. I want to follow Him. I want to pursue Him. I want to have faith in Him. Because I'm going through some stuff that I cannot handle by myself anymore. I need God. Would you release, your, would you release yourself to do that? Heavenly Father, I thank you right now. God, you see every person in this place. You see the thing that they're going through, and you know the dream and the plan that you have placed in their life. So God, I speak the greatest truth to them, that you love them and care for them more than they could possibly imagine. God, I want to speak life unto them. For the believer... Life does not end in death. It only starts. God, I pray if there's any person in this place today, you know their heart, you know their mind, you know that they need salvation. God, they have raised their hand. They have signified that I need Jesus Christ. God, they're praying to you right now, what must I do to be saved? Your word declares to us, that if we confess the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. All those that call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So God, I thank you for bringing them into the greatest family on earth, the family of God. Lord, I pray that you would bless them and honor them in the mighty name of Jesus, that we'll give you all praise and glory and honor forever. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Thank you so much.